0: Welcome to another episode of Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. And I'm Ethan. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Uh, this is gonna be the second installment in our music history little spin-off series that we do the last uh Monday of every month. So we're uh we're really happy to continue moving this series forward. And uh, also really happy to have Ethan joining us again. <laughs> Um, it's been really cool having uh just another dynamic in the in the group and um the Opeth episode that we did last week was the most fun I'd ever had recording an episode so <laughs> yeah uh, hopefully hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well uh um, we were on at the, time of the
1: yeah we, we came <laughs> so were you guys. ready?
0: yes um we're gonna see how ready we are for this one <laughs> <laughs> um. So hopefully that you guys are enjoying this new dynamic we're still at the point to where we're way ahead in recording, so we don't know if uh if everyone's liking the new change, but we're soldiering forward anyway so um we're gonna we're gonna bring in a new legion of fans if if the old <laughs> legion leave yeah <laughs> um so yeah, we're happy you're here and uh if you If you like what you're listening to, make sure you hit the subscribe button on whatever platform it is that you listen on, uh, whether that be Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, or any of the other myriad of options available. Um, And leave us comments. Let us know what episodes you would like for us to do in the future, what artists you would like to see. Um, I am officially starting to um, schedule in some of your recommendations it's officially happening so you've
2: been officially starting for like three weeks now
0: (laughs) well as in uh,
2: the research
0: well not the research but i know exactly what week i'm doing it on okay there's no yeah it's in i'm i'm I think I'm pretty much... Some things are probably going to be changed. Everything through the end of October is set in stone. I'm not going to move it. Okay. Um, November and December, I've got a good idea, but I'm not completely set in it yet. So um, that that's the stuff that's liable to change, but... Um, definitely in October and November, we've got some fan requests that are going to be, um, that are going to be heard. So keep sending us, uh, bands that you would like for us to cover. We are listening and we do want to, um, provide the people what they want. And, um, If you want to support the channel, you can head over to our Patreon page. There's a link for that in the description of the episode. Uh, We have changed up the tiers a lot. This is our first week with no cover songs, not only not on YouTube, but also not on Patreon either. But fear not, we do have some additional content that we'll be supplementing. Um, Last week with Opeth, we debuted our After Hours segment and i believe that was on the five dollar tier yes yeah that's what i thought um so those of you in the five dollar tier you're going to get access to just kind of a casual you know guys hanging out talking about music yes
1: exactly extra content talking more about the band and a bunch of other random stuff that three Mm -hmm. guys that talk about music talk about yeah
0: (laughs) so um Make sure that you become a patron if you want to get access to that stuff. And then we've got um, we've got some other stuff coming in the future, but that's kind of the immediate change. So um, continue to keep a lookout, and um, you know, just if you want to support what we do, that's going to be the best place to go. So that way we can work towards being able to do this as a full time deal, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. If i got, oh, yeah. if I got if I was able to uh support my family by researching and and <laughs> creating music content, that would be pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and then um, we aren't taking down our YouTube page, even though we're not gonna be uploading um cover songs on there. We are gonna start putting up episodes on there because that's just another. Platform that I know that people listen to podcasts on. Um, I do it all the time. I'll listen. I like to put on podcasts or video essays while I'm driving and just not look at the video part, just listen. So that's something we're gonna start doing as well. So that way the YouTube channel doesn't just rot. So and then who knows in the future it'll allow us to maybe put up some some different things here and there. But for right now that's gonna kind of be the new. Uh, function for our YouTube channel and as far as when exactly we'll do that I'm not sure but it's going to be pretty soon so still go ahead and check out our YouTube channel then of course we're going to keep all of our old cover songs on there so for those of you that really like those you'll still get to watch them and then um, social media pages go check us out on Instagram and Facebook um that's where you best place to find announcements and some fan participation stuff as well as it's a great place to message us we uh, are constantly getting uh great messages from you guys including uh some new uh recommendations for um some female artists hey there we go so um Tina Adams who had sent us a Really great message a couple of weeks ago. Um, she's asking for us to do uh, Pat Benatar or Adele, and I am for doing both of those in the future.
2: I know you're for Adele.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. My my <laughs> wife. I I got to I got to know Adele because my wife is a super fan of Adele.
1: I don't think I know very much about Adele past her, like,
0: big hits.
1: And I've heard that she's a really nice person.
0: Yeah. The funny thing is that my wife uh, loves all her deep cuts. She actually hardly listens to the hits.
2: And like so, a true fan. I know. Like a true fan. Like,
0: she'll listen to the album, she'll skip the big hits. And I'm just yeah. like, Okay. <laughs> She gets to all the obscure songs, so Uh, and then Pat Benatar, she's classic. That's that's seventies, eighties.
2: That's right where the majority of our content is.
0: Yeah, sure is. Not this episode though.
2: Not this episode though. This episode we're going still a couple years, couple thousand years, couple years. Good lord, couple (laughs) thousand years,
1: (laughs) couple years.
2: Couple of years back, yeah, back in the year of 2017,
0: you know. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 gonna go back into about six to five hundred BC here. <laughs> Just a little bit of difference there. Okay. Uh. Um, real quick before we get into this, um, if you guys uh, have not heard our first episode in the series on ancient music. Uh, be sure to go check that out. Uh, and then real quick, uh, let's, let's go ahead and kind of just remind people kind of what we're doing with this spinoff series. Mm-hmm. So I have a big passion, not just for history, um, but music history in particular. Mm-hmm. It's always something that I've loved, that I've been very fascinated with. Um, and so this series is kind of me taking y'all on a journey through the entire history of western music so the reason we're limiting it to western music is because this is an expansive enough genre or subject as it is and so to kind of get caught up in, in every single corner of the world's history of music it'll literally take us an eternity But we're still going to be pretty exhaustive throughout the whole process. We're going to kind of see how we got to where we are today and see at what points in time have we picked up influences and also just see how music's changed throughout the years. What caused them to change and um, just kind of, you know, see the story of music because I think it's a pretty fascinating one. So make sure you go check out our first episode on ancient music where we talk about, um, hymns and Egyptian music. Grant was along the ride for that one. yeah. And, but now we're going to be talking about ancient Greek music.
1: So I think one thing I would be curious in is how, how long of a time span are we talking between, uh, the egyptian music and the greek music
0: so in our ancient music episode we talk about um, how the oldest existing song in the world is from 1400 bc and that's the hurry and him and we talk about in that episode how even though the music notation has survived we have no idea completely how to read it. It's kind of like when people find archaeological digs of languages that have been dead for thousands of years. We can see that there's a language there, but we have no way of translating what it could possibly mean. And so uh, the Hurrian Hymn has dozens and dozens of different interpretations of what it's supposed to sound like. All of them wildly different, but it does exist. And so We're in the last episode where we lived in that area around 15 to 1300 B.C. And now we're jumping ahead about 1500 years. So we're the we're looking at the the Greece's classical um, uh, era, which is around six to five hundred B.C. So this is kind of the uh, the dawn of modern
2: civilization. That's quite a jump. Yes, it is. I don't think That's... all of our jumps are going to be that big. but uh,
0: Actually, for quite a while, they will be. One of the most interesting things I've found is that as time goes on, music evolves faster. Oh. But the, for a long time, it's really not until we hit about the Renaissance period that um until that point, music really only changed once every thousand years. Hmm.
1: That makes sense so. with, with the increase of kind of cultures colliding, the the music mm-hmm. changes more. Screw more yeah, people, the, more cultures, more yeah. Integrated. The bigger well, the cities get, the the faster everything moves forward.
0: Yeah, and also it depends on uh, the reason why is because for the most part until the Renaissance period, the, the power of music is usually firmly held by the religious leaders. And they are notoriously throughout history um, have forcibly resisted music changing because they felt like it had to sound a certain way in order to um, fulfill whatever religious duty that it was mm. um, that it was serving
2: And so I do assume that uh, that's the same for Greek music
0: yes but it actually is very very interesting um, in my previous, looks through music history i kind of actually found that i had an incorrect view of what greek music was like or ancient greek music okay um i thought that it was a lot more like ancient music as far as how rigid it was and how sparsely it was used but it was during this time through and really digging deep that i found that there views of music is actually very close to how ours is today just obviously with some very key differences such as so well we'll first talk kind of talk about how they're similar okay. so <laughs> um in the way that we use music for literally everything we talk about this at the beginning of our ancient music episode about how we use music to work out to, to um, to entertain parties, to dance to, for theater and for movies and for, um, you know, going out into the public area. We use it in our worship. Um, there's hardly al- many moments in our collective consciousness where music is not being used in some form or fashion. And I'm finding that in Greece, it wasn't very much different from that. They used music for everything. I was under the impression before doing this that they only used it, like I said, in ancient music for very utilitarian purposes. You know, for temple worship or for communication or for um, honoring dignitaries. But that's actually not the case. And that was a very cool thing to learn throughout this, is the myriad of ways that they used music and how important music was to them.
2: Okay. So they're different.
0: um, They're different in the sense that, you know, obviously there was only really very a couple of styles of music we don't have they didn't there wasn't the diversity of sound that we have today and the different subcultures of music like music was still very homogenized as it would be for really until we get into the 1900s that's kind of the first time that we really start to see different sects of musics not only separating but colliding together to make constantly um splintering sex kind of how we talked about in our after epi- after hours episode of opeth about heavy metal subgenres yeah. the way that we keep getting new ones is they just keep combining different yeah. subgenres to sub subgenres um, that's a fairly new idea in music and so Um, There were definitely very strict rules on how music had to sound and how it had to be played.
1: Well, what do you think it was about the Greek culture that allowed them to be more free with their music writing?
0: Well, um, it comes down to them having an understanding of how music works. So the Greeks pioneered a lot about modern civilization they were really among the first modern civilizations in the world um as far as just the way that they looked at life the way that uh the the way that they started to use science and um and just society in general so they were the first ones to figure out the science of music so um, there's a guy named Pythagoras, which a lot of people know him for uh, him as a mathematician. Or Pythagoras, a, yeah, the Pythagorean theorem: yeah. a squared plus b squared equals c squared. That's him. Uh, but he was also the one to figure out that the way that you uh, have different tones in music is is by using intervals. Uh... so he was the one that figured out that you know you pull a string and by yes. me- like figuring out the exact measurements and not just going by ear he was able to use math to figure out the sound of music
2: that's a big stepping stone yes it holy is holy cow and, and that's so because... important when we get to this music because we're we're now stepping outside of you know an eight tone scale we're we're going into the modern 12 tone scale for some of these songs Mm -hmm. yes
0: so because they were able to figure this out they now were able to set certain rules on how music is to be composed because they knew now what the what some of the now obviously they don't have everything figured out that we would eventually figure out but it was like you said it was a big step And so they now have a basis on which to structure music around. And because of that, it allows them to really start to expand what can be played.
1: Is this one ever, uh, I guess, remnants of actual, um, I guess, manuscripts of like, since they could measure music now, like almost like music transcription? Was that happening in with the Greeks?
0: No, we actually don't get any kind of modern transcription till about probably eleven hundred AD. Wow. So it's actually still quite a long way before we have any music that we can actually replicate. And even if they did, it was in a notation that we don't understand. But most of the time music was transmitted orally Really. so you just if you wanted to recreate how a piece sounded then you had to remember how it was played when you heard it (laughs) it was in the same way that we're still not quite at a point where a lot of things are being written down we don't we're still before a lot of um uh literature and even though we do have literature really starting to come in at this point um you know we're we're not at the point now to where everything is meticulously documented and also it's very likely that anything that was written down was destroyed from what i was reading like of every written work that was made during the ancient greek period about 5% of it still exists today
2: oh my goodness
0: so mainly just due to you know composing on you know pieces that either wear out over time or when invading countries would come in they burn everything that they come across and so historians weep at all of the lost knowledge throughout time that just you know was just destroyed or carelessly taken care of Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you say though that music was only transmitted orally because for some of these songs there's a lot of like two instruments playing the same line so Mm -hmm. there was obviously there was a musical language for sure like there was yeah. there was a way to teach somebody else on another instrument how to play what you're playing, mm-hmm. you know. And so, I mean, at least we had that at this point. And it makes me it makes me sad you saying that that there's so much that we just don't know and we don't know how to read that because I had assumed that that we did.
0: No, we still don't. I mean, again, if we did, either we. Can't read it, or it's been lost to us. So, except um, two of
2: these songs. Well, no. Yes, two of these songs. It's kind of like are, random, right?
0: Yes, but again, they're going to be in the same situation of we just don't quite know exactly what it originally sounded like. But we have a much better idea than we did in ancient music. We're a lot closer now than we were last time because the greeks first off the civilizations um still exist i mean the greek people are still a people today and a lot of uh, a lot of those artifacts have been found they've been preserved um a lot of stuff has been handed down through their culture and so Um, and also just because the record keeping was better at that time, we had a lot more art to go off of, um, architecture, um, stuff that we found on paintings on pots and all these different things give us a much clearer idea of everything that went along in Greek culture than we did the previous thousand years. So really the
1: in this Greek kind of like old Greek renaissance period it was the f- one of the first times that art in general had been used to express more than just religion.
0: Yes. So this is, you know, this is the era of Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, the great philosophers, the great thinkers. Um this is the this is where we have the birth of modern theater. Um, we've got the great Greek tragedies and comedies that are being written during this time. Um, you know, we've got enduring statues being sculpted, like the Venus de Milo, um, great buildings like the Parthenon, you know, stuff that has just, that has stood the test of time, literally,
1: I'm con- for thousands of years. I'm confused why all of those other artistic renditions seem so staple but until this episode and until now, there's really not any Greek uh music that has stood the test of time in the same way.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually something I've thought about as well. Like doing the research for this, I took a crash course on everything just to immerse myself in ancient Greek culture. And the thing that I just kept finding is that anytime I would look for music, it was strangely sparse. Hmm. You had you had all these other things that are held in such high regard, but music is almost um it's almost been forgotten. And that's kind of what I was really trying to wrap my head around is is why. Or maybe it's just we haven't found the right info. Maybe it was simply due to the fact that the music wasn't written down that we don't um, have a better understanding of Greek music, but just even finding that there's just not a lot of people attempting to recreate Greek music, maybe just because they don't really know how to. It just seems that with with ancient Greece being in,
1: in that time period, like so many things are being pioneered, you know? yeah that there it at least didn't survive like one piece of famous or like that we know would be famous like uh, like the paintings and the sculptures and the plays and the and the, Maybe and the math <laughs> and the science and all these things that you know have have been you know staple g- greek renaissance you know mm-hmm. like that's what it is whenever... like I, i'm pretty sure People were like, ah, "Ancient Greek music? When is that?" And then when you started naming off all those famous people, all those famous scientists and math- mathematicians and philosophers, everyone's like, "Oh, that, the that general time period." But it's mm-hmm. sad that we can't be like, "Oh, you know the, you know the ancient Greek composer X Y Z guy." You know, everyone knows yeah. him. Like he's not like Aristotle. You know, is is famous, but not... I mean, everyone else just died. You know, yeah. we don't really get into famous classical musicians till Bach and Beethoven. We don't really even know about anybody before them. S- we're, we're still and pretty we're far we're still off, very but... far away from that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're going to move through the years pretty quickly. It'll start to slow down once we get to that point, but we're still several episodes away. I guess just in terms
1: of, like, famous historical
0: celebrities. Yeah. it's
1: interesting
0: that it is interesting, and so I've got a couple of theories, and we'll we'll kind of we'll kind of shoot these across here. So I think that a big component of music of Greek music that really does still exist today, but it's just not um, being recreated, is the fact that. What I learned is that Greek theater, all of it was actually supposed to be musicals. That Greek theater was not like a Shakespeare play where it's acted by people talking, but rather all of the Greek tragedies and comedies were sung. That's kind of so they are more opera operatic. Yeah, they were they were old operas exactly, but they're not. Um, performed or read that way today. They're read like they would a Shakespeare play. where
1: Because the music is passed down orally,
0: and so everyone just assumed Mm -hmm. that they would know how it went. Yep. And also, you know, at that time, once a play has made its initial run of a couple of showings, it wasn't ever played again. They went on to the
2: next thing. That makes me so... Oh my gosh. Sorry. (laughs) Just... (laughs) <laughs> because because I've been part of multiple, like, you know, in high school, I've been part of multiple musicals and in both, you know, as a uh, thespian and part of the band. And everything is written down so meticulously, every movement, every, you know, hit on the drums or or whatever is so meticulously pointed out and written down and you have to do it this way perfectly it's just we've come such a long way and and in my mind like you know probably the happy medium is somewhere in there but it's definitely closer (laughs) to what we have now where you you're able to have this you know for example like hamilton by the way you know we've had that going on for five or six years now right And so to think that – and I'm not a Hamilton fan – but to think that that (laughs) uh, musical would only be performed two or three times seems like such a waste to the artistry that was put into it. Mm -hmm. It, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's probably culturally
1: back then. I mean, if you think about the volume of art art that came out of that it seemed like they had a much higher value on creating the art than then than preserving the art because mm-hmm. it was just like it's just like paint that thing great next thing it was just like now we look yeah. at it it's like this is one of the greatest sculptures of all time but to them it's just like wow look at that art i made that's cool all right next thing (laughs) since
2: since we're so we're such a destination focused culture
1: well and we have such a ease of access to to i mean we're literally three guys having a conversation about music and it's being recorded and it's going to be out there for forever and we're doing it on our phones right it's so it's so easy to record things and they're they were probably like well that was a really good play, and it was for the enjoyment of this moment. And so, let's do
0: another one because I'm bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah these these playwrights they they would churn out large amounts during their lifetime, and and like I said, so very few have survived to today. But like each each of the major playwrights that we have their plays today, that's only about probably five to ten percent of what they actually
2: wrote i mean that also raises the question though like um, for example exactly what i want to say is rush's second and third albums. so fly by night took them like 14 months to record that's a long Mm -hmm. time for an album less than an hour but it was so good and so putting that extra time into something putting out less art but making it higher quality is sometimes better and that's so evident when you look at their very next album which took them two months and it's not highly regarded
0: well i i highly regard it but <laughs> well, i'm I, also <laughs> in, g-
2: in general people just it, it isn't well recepted. well well recepted. Mm-hmm. um and so wouldn't you think that would take a toll on the quality of art trying to just churn out art instead of looking back and learning from what you did.
1: I think I... yeah
2: I look at it more like... I mean,
1: I guess we don't know this now. Like, how many amphitheaters were there to even play... I mean, to even show shows?
2: Mm -hmm. Like, let's say
1: there's five and that would probably be... a. I mean, there's probably two. You know? There's two amphitheaters in all of Greece and... You can. Do. I'd say
0: there's probably more than that because the at that time the grease. Um, I mean, even if there's the ten, them, what you can show like,
1: I mean, you'd have to show
0: one show like you'd have to
1: do all day yeah. shows.
0: Yeah, they didn't. They didn't go tour around like you don't. Know, they didn't go on tour like a like musicals do nowadays, where they'll you know if a, a play is a big hit, they'll go to all the towns and do that play. That didn't happen back then. It's
1: probably the same as a movie director now, where it's like. You direct one movie, like, I mean, if you get, like, one every two years, that's pretty good.
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it didn't take near as long to make movies. It takes much longer to make a movie than it did a play. So, I've got a couple of other ideas as well. So, because the other thing about it is, from certain sources we've read, from people that lived in that time, they consider music the... Um, One of the things that made society what it was that they talked about as one of the most important ingredients to having a civilized people, Mm -hmm. Um, both Plato and Aristotle write about music a lot in their works. Um, Plato talks about how if. Um, without music that people turn into barbarians and savages that it has the ability to cultivate the mind and emotion in a way that really nothing else does they considered music divine even though they figured out the math behind it they also considered math to be a divine subject because of the fact of how universal it is you can literally solve any of the universe's mysteries by using math and that's where, you know, math really started to uh, gain its importance in Greek culture. And that's why Pythagoras not only was a mathematician, but he was a big innovator of music is because he discovered that connection. And so they, when um, Greek citizens went to school, music was one of the things that they had to learn. You were not considered a well-rounded um, you know, citizen that was going to do good to your community. If you weren't a skilled musician, they considered that it was, it wasn't just an optional thing like we do in schools where it's one of the electives and you can choose it if you want to, or you can do football instead or (laughs) do drama. Like you had to do all of those things and you had to be good at them or else you were not considered a productive citizen.
2: Sounds to me like my math professor is a practitioner of the occult.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so when you (laughs) see that importance of music, then, but then you have, you have this other thing where it's just like, well, then why isn't any of the music remembered today? Yeah. Or are there any significant composers? It could be because everyone was a composer. Maybe. And that just the music was so natural and so um intrinsically bound into their daily lives that it was one of the things that wasn't considered a work of art. It just to, was it, it just was part of culture
2: that's so and I don't even think there's an analogy to our lives today,
0: yeah. I mean, yes, we do have our pop stars and our rock stars, but you know we're now kind of in an age where literally anyone can make music just
1: in their bedroom and even nowadays,
0: like whenever records first
1: came out, like it was in like the radio first came out, like the radio decided who the pop star was, you know. Mm-hmm. Now it's like with Spotify and Apple Music and everything like someone can come out with a single and you know them for like a week and then they fade off into obscurity and then like they're gone and then like another person comes up and then like the people that win album of the year now that's like their only album and then they
2: never win another album of the year ever again but you know at the same time it's like we recorded that too yeah and And we have record and so there is a lot of similarities with that Culture, I think is what you're trying to say. Maybe you're not, but this is what I picked up on is that we have that art for a very short time and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. We, we can still go back and listen to that. Everything's recorded, you know? And so we can Uh go back and analyze that music and we can go back and pick apart what we like and what we didn't like and the different influences we want to put into our music. And so, yeah. I would, In ancient Greece once you hear that thing it's you're probably never going to hear it again I would hope that they would have an artist's ear knowing that now that you know they're all trained musicians that they'd all have an artist's ear and listen to the stuff around them and come up with their own musical ideas based off of you know their five or six things they heard today or whatever Mhm and so I would hope that that Kind of the way that their culture was, but it, I guess we don't know yeah,
0: yeah again there's as much as we know about Greek culture, we still don't know compared to how much we know about today's society, you know it's just it's still we're we're dealing with again, like we said, ninety percent of everything that was made during that time doesn't exist anymore we're missing so much about what life really was like back then you know I, I heard it described by a historian that whenever we look at at eras at, during this time of history it's like looking at a mansion through keyholes there are parts that we see really really well but there's other parts that are completely blind to us and we will never know exactly what life was back then and I think that music is one of those things throughout ages until we get to the point that we're able to write it down, which still does not come for a long period of time, or if we're in a situation where it is meticulously orally being transferred from generation to generation, like we're going to see when we get to um, the medieval period. Mm-hmm. That um, you know, that's the oldest music that's still actively and accurately being played today but it wasn't ever written down it was just it was sung the same way over and over and over again that it just it stuck
2: so then that, but that raises it, the question of we have two songs on here that are from transcriptions or fragments that we think this is what it sounds like mm-hmm, so where where do. do the other four come from
0: They're just like kind of we did on ancient music. These are just people, again, finding the instruments and taking the real words that we found, but just trying to figure out what what the music sounded like. We also do know in a nutshell what the music sounded like because they were the ones that invented the modes which is something I wanted to get to. Yes. So Phry- Phrygian, Ionian, uh, mixed; those are all Greek words.
2: Yeah, Greek.
0: And so Py- Pythagoras and his colleagues, were they were the ones that came up with these ideas of, this is how you structure music, is you pick a mode. Now, I believe it's still, um, it could be 12-tone, but it could, I think, I'm pretty sure it might still be 8-tone. But if it was, um, then it definitely reverts to a tone when we get into the medieval period because there's it's a big dis- discovery when they figure out they can use 12 tones later on. So, again, that could be something that um, got lost as civilization kind of devolved after the fall of the Roman Empire.
2: I'm sure, I'm sure that with somebody like Pythagoras figuring out the ratios and stuff, the 12 through to 2 interval. Yeah, 12 tone scale would be pretty pretty well probably. Done. Especially on our one of the songs that is actually a transcription. There's some chromaticism there, but we'll get to that. So.
0: Mm-hmm. So, that's that's pretty much just what the rest of these songs are. It's it's really good guesses. And I would say they're better guesses than the ones that we had on our ancient
2: episode
0: because we just have a lot more information to work on we've got a lot more preserved instruments we have a lot more of an idea of what they're what they used the music for we know what different musical song structures existed because people wrote about them we know um, again what the what kind of harmonic institution they're working with we know what how they structured their music but again we don't know any of you play this note then you play this note in this particular song we still don't know that part to where we can reproduce something faithfully to how it was originally played okay so then there's one more thing I wanted to talk about because this was, this was probably the subject that got me the most fascinated and again we're going back to our, our buddy Pythagoras here Have either of you guys heard of anything called the music
2: of the spheres? Mm -mm. I have heard of it, but you're going to have to remind me.
0: So because of their belief in the divinity of both music and numbers, and by the way, it is from the Greeks that we get the word music because um, they said that the muses were the Mm. – Showers of all things creative. So there was a muse of astronomy, a muse of history, a muse of drama, a muse of um, art, and there was a muse of music. And so that's – so we got to thank the Greeks for the word music. Um, so – because of that, he believed that the entire function of the universe operated in music, and his belief was that um, that all the planets in the universe actually moved to a specific harmonic tone, mm-hmm. and that if we could figure out how to hear it, that there is an inherent music playing playing throughout the universe of the actual – um the actual s- rotating of the planets that that creates a universal music obviously because the planets are traveling so fast our mortal ears can't hear it but it was something that he speculated that um that the planets itself made music that when you put all the planets together it creates the most beautiful music that any person could ever even imagine
2: that may or may not be true we may never
0: yeah so for a while he got disproved because then they figured out that you know sound doesn't travel in space and so obviously the planets aren't making music but recently that subject has been reopened because they found that sound can transmit through space in other ways rather than physical sound waves right Through um, solar winds and planet resonance that that actually could potentially carry sound. So now kind of the discussion and the investigation is going back into maybe the planets do make some kind of sound as they whiz through space. And I thought that that was a very fascinating idea that that the actual structure of the universe itself is musical.
2: Wow, this is mind-blowing.
0: I know. I was I was listening to a bunch of stuff that I didn't understand on how they were explaining how, but at the same time, I was just like, this is so fascinating.
2: <laughs> wow. Wow. So,
0: that's going to be one of the cool things, I think, that when we reach eternity, that one of the things that's going to blow our mind the most is this extra-dimensional music that we're going to be able to hear how these things make their own music and that's a pretty cool thing to look forward to yeah yeah so with that I think we can go ahead and end this segment and um, we'll take a break here and come back with the songs in our next segment so stay tuned we'll be right back
2: Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished talking about the ancient Greek music and the idea of the muses and the music of the spheres. And now it's time to talk about the six songs that we have selected for this episode. So, for the people who are coming here for the first time, welcome. And Lucas, could you explain to them what we mean by six songs?
0: Yes. So, um... If this is your first episode, this is a really strange episode to start in, but I applaud you for being brave. Um, This segment is a way for us to be able to just concretely talk about the music that we explained in the first segment. So we get to actually look at some songs, dissect them, look at what's going on. And, um, I try and sequence them in a way to where it's not just random, but there's kind of a flow. It's a little bit tougher in episodes like these to do that, but I still try my best. Um, so it's it's just a way for us to be able to um, to talk about the songs to hopefully get you more ingrained with what kind of music we're talking about. So the way that you can listen to these songs. Is there's a link in the episode description that'll take you to a Spotify playlist, and those songs will be on there as well as all the songs from every other episode that we've done. So make sure you go check that out, and I think we can go ahead and get started. Okay. With
2: a with a hymn to Nemesis. With a hymn to Nemesis. Now this is not one of them that is no transcribed. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say, like, some of the things that I noticed, we have changing type signatures. We understand time signature now, as opposed mm-hmm. to the ancient music. Um, they're, they're, I think it's, like, changing between some kind of four and it's, some kind of seven.
0: Yeah, it's, it's four, four, it's, then seven, eight.
2: Yeah, it, it's consistent throughout, though. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not the,
0: just someone not skilled in music yeah, accidentally dropped
2: a beat right and and there's this theme that follows through the whole thing that like an instrument will play it and then they'll sing it you know and and maybe there's a little bit of change here and there but it's the idea of a recurring line a repeating line that's very nice because we do that all the time now and (laughs) It's it's very different from the hurry and hymn instead of the bum, 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 bum. You know, where we're just going through the steps of the scale. We're mm-hmm. now playing with intervals and we're doing different jumps to different notes. And yes. how that sounds, which is all the time in music now. So, anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big... Uh, the Greeks were the ones that coined the terms of thirds and fifths. Like, um, there's there's writings of Pythagoras talking about perfect fifths and perfect thirds and, and those types of things. And so, you know, they definitely are understanding now how music is put together and how to make it sound good. Mm -hmm. So, um, this is, uh, the words to this are actually from, uh, Found from in Greek ancient Greek culture, but we just the the melody and the structure of the song is is a guesswork. So this isn't something that someone's trying to transcribe some notation. They found this is um, the music itself is just inferred, but the words are authentic. Okay. Do we know what the song is about? Um. Nemesis. Again, I'm not going to uh throughout this any of that have words. I'm not going to I didn't transcribe the the original Greek mm-hmm. mainly because these songs are so obscure on the Spotify playlist that Google yeah. <laughs> uh let me find the lyrics to Him to Nemesis. Yep. Like it's not going to pop up. And I don't know Greek, but I was able to do some research just going from the song titles to try and figure out, maybe just give a good guess on what they're about. So Nemesis is a Greek goddess that she's the goddess of retribution and justice to enacting justice to wicked people, particularly people that are guilty of hubris, which you guys know what hubris is, correct?
1: So like pride.
0: Yeah. Or just kind of, you know thinking that you're the greatest and invincible and then falling flat on your face okay. pretty much every teenager
2: in the world yeah so I would know uh, I am one <laughs>
0: so my my guess is that this is a hymn from what I researched to placate the god the goddess of nemesis pretty much people praying and singing, saying, you know, we don't, don't judge us, you know, we offer you sacrifices and gifts so that way you don't punish us for our mistakes and our
2: hubris. That's kind of scary.
0: Yeah, that's, that's how a lot of ancient religion was. For being in
2: such a, like, such a Mixolydian mode, you know? I think Mm -hmm. it's Mixolydian. Sounds close. it's because major again, mode.
0: this comes, this comes into the idea of, in the way that Greek music was restricted. Greek had to sound a very particular way. It couldn't um, get into like fear or suspense or um, or kind of dissonance, at least not intentional dissonance. So why? You know, Because in the way that Plato wrote is that if you don't adhere strictly to the modes that have been set, then you're going to plunge society into anarchy and chaos. (laughs) It's corrupting (laughs) the youth, (laughs) which is pretty relevant to, you know, today how people... Is he wrong?
1: I think he's restrictive, but... I think he is...
0: And again, just the whole those, point... of edgy
2: yeah. ancient Greek youth. That's just, <laughs> it, that just sounds so absurd. I mean...
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because because he knew the power of song to control emotions. That is true.
2: That is true. I think but that
0: was what his thinking was. That if you...
2: non-intentional dissonance won't bring anarchy. Um, again... Know? Probably Otherwise, what it is that is listening
0: to us, but maybe not to them. It's probably how we would cope with that. Um. So, and also the way that you would view this song is that they are singing this to Nemesis. They're trying to make her happy. They're trying to say, you know, you're so great. We love you. Please don't kill us. You know, so they're they're trying to make, they would want it to sound happy because this is a, this is a, you know, a tribute song to a god or goddess. So they're not, they wouldn't try and beseech a goddess by playing scary, gross sounding music. Right. They hmm. would want something that would soothe her, that would, that would make her go, hmm, I feel good now. Okay, I won't judge you today.
2: <laughs> That's true. That's actually a good point.
0: You know, okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure only Satan would be happy with hearing
2: discordant, ugly music. Tritone. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness.
0: That's, yeah, just the thing to think about with if what you know about your Greek mythology and Greek gods and goddesses is that they portrayed them as human beings pretty much with human emotions and being very capricious and fickle and you know kind of any way the wind blows you know yeah. they're not they're not like you know the Christian God that's you know the same always, but with them it's just like i could I could punish you just because I'm in a bad mood about something else, and so songs like these were necessary to quell you know if just the goddess decided to wake up on the wrong side of the bed just going hey you know just letting you know that we love you don't do anything to us
2: <laughs> oh my goodness yeah
0: so um so that's that's what i believe this song is again i could be completely wrong and you listeners that are maybe very much more intelligent about Greek history and Greek mythology, and if I say anything that's incorrect, which I'm sure has already happened and will happen again, I please ask that you don't be <laughs> too harshly. I I I placate you with yeah. with beautiful songs.
1: We're we're just we're just music nerds. We're not ancient historians
0: yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working my way. Give, to give us an a couple months.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> maybe we'll get there.
0: Yeah, I'm not in there yet. All right. So, do you guys have anything else to say about this song, uh, Ethan? What, what did you uh, pick up from? So this is
1: this is just. So this is just an interpretation of how we think it sounds.
0: Yes. All really, all of these are going to be, because again, we don't any notation that we did find, we don't know how to truly interpret it. Man, it's... I, I
1: guess I'm just going to treat this as if it was real.
0: <laughs> yeah, so because of the fact that we can't truly know, we're just going to say... I'm going to treat this straight. like this is straight correct. Okay. Uh, we'll just put a disclaimer about it, and then we won't say yeah, anything else. Right. Um, I...
1: I am also impressed with the time signature stuff mainly because I think it in the Western world today, odd time signatures are, are similar to dissonance Mm -hmm. in terms of like, you wouldn't like be like, Oh, I'm having such a great day. I'm going to listen to a song in 1516, which is what this song is. You know what I mean? yeah oh man I'm just gonna just really vibe out to this fifteen sixteen uh and so it's it's interesting how they're i mean and there's more songs that are down the list that are in like just straight five the whole time <laughs> and it's interesting that they the way that they view math and the way that they view dissonance like doesn't also Fit into like oh yeah, four four is like the feels the best, you know,
0: yeah, hmm that's kind of more of a modern uh idea,
1: and so with that, it's like
0: the song's really happy, yeah, to <laughs> appease
1: the gods is pretty funny i didn't I didn't even think about it like that, I was just like, oh, that's <laughs> a fun song, uh, with I guess now sinister undertones. But it's just so it's so interesting how it's just like, yeah, let's just do this odd time signature song and that's it.
0: Yeah, you're going to find that as opposed to the songs from our ancient music episode, these songs are a lot shorter because we had some really long songs in (laughs) in our ancient music episode. They probably also felt a little longer because there was literally no structure to them yeah kind and of even
1: just refi- adding structure like like it's more than like what you said like ritualistic where it's like mm-hmm. we're 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 playing instruments to achieve sounds that are holy or whatever, hmm even just being like, oh, this is structured enough, we can sing as a group, we can play music together, we can interact you know in in, in yeah. a structured way, um is, is a grand uh, advancement in music.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And if we have nothing else to say about this song, it also shows up in the next song, which That's I'm not going to try to pronounce.
0: Payin. 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 I'm, I'm so, really positive in that pronouncing
2: so this song is in our modern major scale pretty much exclusively um but there's so there's a singing voice there's a male voice i think if i remember correctly yeah but singing the same notes as a stringed instrument and so there is still this idea of being able to move music between different instruments and being able to uh, kind of jam with each other which is mm-hmm. a big deal I mean it like nowadays it's a big deal I mean the three of us did you know stick songs together can you imagine if we didn't know how to like play together like that'd be a big deal like I don't know how to do keyboards like you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. but big big deal that we're able to, to go between voice and instrument
1: yeah well, that shows that there was some kind of musical baton handing off. Like, people could learn songs and and, and be in unison and pass that down orally, even if it's not notated. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. was happening to where people could, could be like, hey, you want to
0: play pay-in? Oh, yeah, let's play that. Okay, ready, go. <laughs> <laughs> so, a pay-in is a type of song in the way that a hymn is. So you had hymns and you had paeans Payans were also religious in nature. They were usually exclusively sung to Apollo or Athena and they would use paeans as kind of um, bookends for hymns. So it's kind of like um, it's almost like the solo section but they would consider it like a different composition. Hmm. So, usually you would sing a pan, put a hymn in the middle where everyone comes together, and then pan on that like a sandwich. Oh.
2: Musical sandwich. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Multi-song structure already.
1: Yeah. So, they're, yeah. they're developing, I guess, what? A full suite. What would be...
2: Or a worship set.
1: That's true. Yeah,
2: yeah a real worship set.
1: They have their so, moments of... I guess I don't know what is the purpose of a pay-in like more entertainment like it's like
0: no it's still meant to um, it's still meant to be religious so it's in just nature just to listen to instead of sing yeah so it's just you know whenever these would be sung um it's as a performance congregations uh you know but it's a performance to the gods it's not performance right. for people ah, it's it it's where you know we're showing our devotion. In the same way that you know I guess in modern worship we're not really performing for the people, we're performing for God, but yeah. And but also in a strange way we are performing for the people cuz we're trying to lead them. But you kind of got to think of it in that nature. Yeah. It was it was a lot less of um people wouldn't join in in the crowd right during moments because you had to be specifically a musician in the profession of a religious post so it would be very um blasphemous to have you know a carpenter or a textile worker to join in in a religious song. You had that had to be like your job.
1: Oh, I understand.
0: So that this was more of like a um ceremonious thing. Mhm. Exactly. And so, and if you notice this was a very very short song. Yeah. Yeah. But I I wanted to have something like that because of the fact that it was, you know, this was a an actual Greek musical um song type, yeah, so I mean, yeah, because it's so short, there's not a whole lot we can talk
1: about it I mean but... it makes sense like it being more of like a ceremonious thing that it's so I mean it's literally just a guy's voice and a. Think about in that instrument is it's like
0: like old timey church when they would do like the the blessed he all blessing flow praise those and it's just like you know you do that that short little exultation yep but it's not a full song yep that's kind of where that comes from is from the pagans
2: oh wow okay. So kind of think it.
0: about it in that function where it's – you you do a brief, you know, short thing that's usually very formulaic. You don't – because, again, this is, this is always sung specifically to either Apollo or Athena. And so it's very likely that they sung it the same way every time.
1: Which brings mm-hmm. us to the next song, which is the Delphic Hymn to Apollo. Yes.
0: What is yeah. Delphic? So that is an area in Greece. It's uh, the the Oracle of Delphi, if you've ever heard of
2: that. The Oracle of Delphi, yes. Yes,
0: yeah, so that was a very, very religious place for the Greeks. It was a place to where um, throughout a lot of their literature and their legends and their folklore that a lot of prophecies would be handed down um a lot of supernatural it's a place where kind of the supernatural and the natural would kind of mix together it's like a holy site yes exactly and so this is actually one of the surviving songs that we have as far as we actually have some notation that we're attempting to try and interpret well, so this is one of the two
1: so so it's not that they didn't notate music back then it's just that we either lost all of it or it was just done in a way that there's no way that we could ever figure it out
0: we the the two that I have on here like I want to say that there's there's probably only like somewhere between twenty to thirty wow pieces of musical notation ever found from. Ancient
2: Greece.
0: Oh man, so a very small amount. So, and just it doesn't give us a good idea of if it was normally written down or if these were um, exceptions. We just don't know. So, well. but yeah, this is this is an attempt to try and play what was found.
2: So we have a woodwind instrument. Yes, we do. I don't remember any being in the other ancient music episode.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think if there was. I don't I think there was in one of them, but it was it was that it was the really weird sounding one. I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. Oh,
2: uh, oh no, we did. We did have woodwind instruments.
1: Yeah. yeah, And the other thing about this is there's two woodwinds that come in and there's some kind of counterpoint stuff going yeah, on. Yes, so
2: we have the introduction of like that, the lick you know, where, where there'll be the main line and then another instrument will come in and play a little something. You know, and we have different instruments all over the place playing different parts that kind of all come together in this both percussive but also melodic way. It's really mm-hmm. like a full band. Yeah. It's really nice.
0: I guess we can use this point to talk about kind of what instruments we're looking at in ancient Greek times. Let's
2: do that. Because so I don't know have, where to start.
0: <laughs> so we have, a, we have some carryovers, like the lyre is still a thing in ancient Greece.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which was very heavily prominent in our ancient music episode. Um, we have our first um... Iterations of the harp existing during this time. Ooh, okay. So, an instrument that is still very commonly used today. Um, probably the oldest instrument that still hasn't undergone too much change and is still frequently used. Mm. Yeah. Um, they had kind of these these very um, archaic versions of pianos in keyboards which was pretty interesting um i, I gotta recall what the, what they were called um okay <laughs> it was a hydraulis.
2: Hydraulis,
0: and it was actually um, the way they would use it was they actually would fill them with water and the pressure that would move in and out of the tubes would cause the tones. Oh, that's cool. Weird. But they weren't super common because they were very difficult to make and
2: very difficult to move. Oh, I can imagine all those tubes everywhere, yeah.
0: yeah and all the water. They, <laughs> and it's, they, were, yeah. they were the precursors to, like, church organs where you've got, like... You know, air. a church organ doesn't move once it's built because of how enormous the piping is. Yeah, it's the same principle though. Just there's not water in and there's the church organ. there's air moving through it instead of water
2: to create sound. Uh-huh. Yeah, the organ's almost as big as the building because they're one and the same. Yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: One thing about this song, which is surprising that you brought up the distance, is that like. Three quarters of the way, or maybe like two thirds of the way through this song, that it, it takes like a really noticeable, extremely dissonant shift. Okay. And it, yeah. it really struck me because we were staying more in like 12 tone, or I guess more like, uh, I, I say more 12 tone, more like in a more predictable scale. And then it starts, like kind of doing chromatic stuff, and and I was just like, "Ugh!" Now it feels really creepy and weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this could be um, a problem with the translation. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not quite sure why it does take that turn, but that that could be an explanation for it.
1: It also makes me think, though. I guess if it's a hymn to Apollo some part some weird part of me is wanting this to be connected to theater somehow <laughs> like knowing that knowing that theater was so prominent and it's almost like a movie score where it's just like mm-hmm. it's really nice and then all of a sudden there's like a turn yeah but if it's a hymn
0: that's probably not the case yeah well uh, the the second half of this list is when we can get into um more of the uh the music that accompanies theater okay and kind of see how that
2: <laughs> differs i don't know why i said okay i mean we're we're gonna do it <laughs> i was
0: kind of wondering why you said okay okay, <laughs> okay.
2: okay. Uh, I- go ahead
0: uh that's all i was gonna say
2: oh, okay <laughs> I'm I'm ready for the second half of this set. I think there's a lot more in the second half. Yeah. So that kind of play. Our next song is the is another one I think that is actually a manuscript or a transcript yes. or something. Uh-huh.
0: So this is um this is from a Greek play. Orestes is a Greek tragedy written by Euripides, who was one of the most famous Greek playwrights. And so the words that we're hearing are from that play, but we don't have the music that goes with it. So this is this is a, a guesswork of what the music sounds like. But again, knowing what we know, that music was intended to go along with the Greek uh, theater, then we're able to kind of come up with a fairly good idea of what this would have sounded like. Again, very, very early opera is the way you can think of it.
2: There's quite a bit of chromaticism in this one. So we're, we're jumping definitely headfirst into the 12-tone scale. Um, and there's also key modulation that occurs. And so we're not stuck in the same key over and over again. Different parts of the song are gonna be sung with different root notes, which mm-hmm. is all over the place. Like at at the scale that it is in this song, it's all over the place in modern music. I would say that some genres more than others, of course, but it's not unheard of to have, you know, a bridge or a chorus or a verse in, in different keys than the rest of the song. And even for 12-bar blues, you know, you'll have a couple bars in this key and then a couple bars in this key, and you'll kind of hop around like that. That's kind of what this song does, and that's good because I like doing that in music.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's all I have to say about that.
0: What do you think? It's It's just
1: a foreboding song it's it's just it's very serious
2: yeah right
1: after after coming off it 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 was again i don't know if you did this set building on purpose it's like i came out of the tension from him to apollo and into this i was just like "Ooh, this is like really dark
0: (laughs) you know with me that nothing is the
1: uh i to add on to what uh to what grant was saying the uh the key modulation is interesting because and i and i don't know if timpanies were invented back then or if it was just the drums were just tuned to what they were and that was just kind of what it was you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the the bass drum stays the same root note the whole time but the vocal kind of changes uh changes up to the um let's see like it changes i don't know it goes pretty much from the sixth to the i don't remember i'd have to re-listen to it
0: i, I think that's probably um unconscious bias from modern music creeping into an attempt to recreate ancient music we kind of talk about that in our ancient music episode where it's like as much as us living in this time try to recreate what music sound like if we don't have the actual sheet music to look at invariably our biases on the way that we play the way that we compose is going to seep into any recreation that we might attempt so it could be that that's what's happening there
2: you're saying With, you're saying the drums not changing?
0: Yeah, or just well, the I way mean, it's probably
2: it, just it, they had one drum, call it good.
0: Yeah, the way that it's tuned to a specific uh, frequency, but you know, I don't I don't think that that's something that they intentionally did in ancient Greek
2: music, from what I've heard. I mean, we do that today. You don't have a different set of drums for every key you play in, you know? No. So
1: anyway that's what like because a lot of these songs they have percussive elements but all of the drums are tuned to the key because it's more timpani and the drums are are dual purpose they're like they're, like, yeah. they're the bass and i the think, drum
0: yeah i think that it's an attempt to uh by the composer to just make it sound a little more palatable i don't think that that's something they did in ancient greek culture and music but it's an interesting thing to to listen to. Yeah. yeah but uh, okay, I think we can move on to the next one, which is to Athena. This yeah, is my dude.
1: favorite song. Really? I have the six. Okay. Um,
0: okay.
1: And I, and I think it is that way because the harp was a really nice. Uh, contrast to what we heard it's it's the same as the opeth song it's like i'm in all this stuff and it's really focused in on like kind of one thing and then like once the set takes a shift to like a mode like this because we were just in kind of more uh it's not dissonant but it was a little bit more dark and serious then we get to this and it's just like really contemplative almost yeah and and again it just it just grabbed my attention Cause I was listening to the set and then it's like time almost freezes. And then I'm just like, Whoa, like this song is
2: really intricate. It's the typical fifth song on the set. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You know, every every one of the fifth songs on the set is like the, the song that's down. Like he is for ghost was, you know, way down. And then, um, a two Lamond is way down for Megadeth. you know? Um, and this was the same way where it's like there's two instruments here is what it sounds like. It sounds like a harp backing with that four, five, six minor feel, even though it's not playing the full chords. It's kind of that got that little arpeggiation. Uh, yeah. It,
1: this, this is the first song on here where I noticed like, and again, this could just be modern interpretation, but it's like a legit like
2: chord change. Yeah, and but also with my modern ear, I was expecting it to like start building. I was expecting yeah. <laughs> when we go back to the six minor for like some bass to come in, go doo doo do, you know? Yeah. And then like the drums come <laughs> in at some point. And, you know, it, but that's just, that's my modern ear wanting the song to progress because we have songs like that start kind of with this feel now that end up, you know, like one where it's like, break your neck fast literally break neck speed um what instrument is this what's the solo instrument
0: so that is the olos
2: or olos.
0: so this is probably the um the greek instrument that isn't used today that we've had the best job of recreating um it is it's a woodwind instrument, but it's actually two um, tubes instead of one. Two separate tubes that you join together, and you literally play it with both hands. One's playing the one side, and the one other hand's playing the other side. It's a really cool instrument to see done. Hmm. And uh, it's pretty much, it's played like a reed instrument.
2: Well, and okay. it's um uh, uh, it just sounded really different, yeah that was wondering. it's a
0: it's a pretty strange sounding instrument, but um of of all the ones that i've I've seen, it's the one that is not an instrument used to like the harp or uh like pan pipes that's something yeah. we still sparingly use today. Um, the all is not something that we use today. and But I've seen videos of people able to faithfully recreate it and recreate how it sounds. And
1: Do you think did that it? they they did chords back then? Because like all these, like this is the one song. And even on this song, it seems like there's kind of a, a trend. Because even on this song, even though there's like implied chord changes, the root note, like of the chord still stays on the like that one note like it's always an arpeggio going up but that first note in the arpeggio stays the same the whole time on the tonic
0: yeah I'm gonna say probably not just because of um, just the way that the modes were constructed i just i don't think that that's where they were thinking they were i think they were thinking more in a in a melody way rather than a chordal yeah. way because it sounds like if they invented
1: modes they were like all right what mode do you want to be in today you know mm-hmm. i want to be in yeah. dorian it's like okay then play this note and then we'll be in
0: dorian it's like okay <laughs> I could I could be proven wrong when we get to Roman but I'm pretty sure like the idea of chords doesn't come until um late into the medieval period.
1: It's so interesting that we teach music in a way today that is different than how music like was conceived on its way up like people don't learn about modes until so <laughs> later. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, but in the but chords music, is one of the first things you yeah, learn. yeah Chords is like, oh yeah, it's chords, right? And, but like instead of just being like, I feel like if we taught kids music in this way, where it was like, play this one note and then play these notes with it, and it, here's how this feels. Now play this note and now play these notes with it, and then like this is how that feels because that's more akin to how how it feels. I mean. I mean, obviously, there was the math. But like, since we kind of already have like a piano, which is like the perfect instrument, you know, it's just like, yeah, play a C and then you can just see how the theory works. Okay, now play a D. Now you can still play all the notes in C. How does this feel? You know, now play an E. Now play all the notes in C. How does that feel? And then you learn chords later because then chords are just a more advanced way to get the feeling.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting how you would think that that's the thing that you would discover first. But I think also just looking at a lot of these ancient instruments, they don't have most of them don't have the ability to play multiple notes at the same time. Yeah. There a lot of them are very much you play one note at a time. Probably oh, yeah.
1: was so was was so well um used over time because it's like the harp was the piano equivalent where it's like, yeah. wow, I can play ten notes,
2: you know? <laughs> and there's You resonance. play as many as you want, yeah, you yeah. Play all the notes. You know, as, a, as yeah. opposed to a wooden instrument where you have to pick one. At least for the lyre, though, you can have multiple.
0: Yeah. But then it's also, then you kind of get into, did they even if they could, did they? And my leaning mm-hmm. towards it is no. Although I won't say that they never did. I th- I think that this... It was also just the mindset and the way that they wrote music. It was very much more um, about melody than it was yeah. about chord progression.
1: Those angsty teens trying to incorporate chords into our music. And
0: know. Plato would have been very dissatisfied.
2: Oh. Yeah. <laughs>
0: alright I think we can go ahead and move on to the last song oh
2: man okay yeah the last song I'm glad that you put this at the end okay good because this this really sums up everything that was unique to every single one of the songs that we just listened to we have <laughs> an interesting time signature we have doubled instruments we have dynamic tempos uh, we have theme and variation we have different instruments that play different parts that all come together and sound cool. We have key modulation, chromaticism and there's that verse chorus like structure in this song even so I'm glad I'm glad it was kind of like a bring it all home moment
0: yeah um you guys will know that. It actually, I was late getting these songs to you guys because um, it was just really difficult to to find the right <laughs> yeah. song. Listening first off, Spotify does not have the best catalog of ancient Greek music, and a lot of that I would listen to it, and there would be like keyboards in it, like synth pads. I'm like, this is not authentic. <laughs> what What are they doing?
2: Yeah. What?
0: And so it took me a really long time. That was actually the song that I found, and I was just like, "Okay, now I've got the set." This mm. was the last one that I was I was needing to find. Gotcha. So, um, and this is our other song that is an actual surviving song from ancient Greece. Oh, so it is. That's no what that, way. that carved on stone is means that there was notation along with words carved on a, a
2: piece of stone. Well, I'm glad that this was one of them that was written, because it really does have all the stuff we talked about. Yeah. I thought it was just some... I thought that the, the fragment was the one. Again,
0: that was one where the where the words are, but the music is not.
2: Okay. Interesting.
1: I really like the melody of this one. Yeah. It's it's really unique. It's it's very non not western.
2: I would have to say if there was a favorite of mine it would be this one because it it has all those things and is executed well, but you know. I honestly favorite. don't know it is.
0: We well, have to pick.
2: Yeah, you I I think pick a favorite.
0: You have to pick. That's I think honestly, i am my it might be the first one, Hymn, the Nemesis. That's the one that I feel like I can kind of get down to the most.
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, like you don't want to be smited. That bopping bass line, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. So anyway, yeah, this song sums up the, the big steps that we've taken from the ancient music period. And some of these things that we're, we are going to lose, I would think, in the history of music as we pass through medieval, and we really don't gain until we get to the modern music era. You know, mm-hmm. For example, the interesting time signatures like uh, it, Greek music today, folk Greek music is mostly 9 8, so that at least has stayed. Um, or I shouldn't say mostly 9 8, but some of it is because there is, there's there's a, a traditional Greek dance that's in 9-8. If you're Greek and you're listening to this podcast and I'm wrong, let me know, but that's my understanding. Um, <laughs> and so at least that has persisted. But like key modulations, not so much. Chromaticism, not so much. We really stay in the major modes. We really stay in eight-tone scales. Um, but, you know. Anyway. <laughs> I, I don't know where I'm really going with this ending part.
0: <laughs> hey, you know. I think, I think that with this song, it's kind of the way you can describe it is exactly that. It's a summation it of just, everything it is. Point, point. And it's a good way to just kind of wrap it all up and go, okay, greek music there it is
1: and, it, and it, i like how it doesn't really end on like all the other songs it's like oh big climactic finish you know this song is is kind of it it, it just kind of chills in it it just is kind of in its zone and it and it kind of ends it just ends you know yeah <laughs> yeah i remember i was just like oh yeah this is because i this was one that I listened to, and I, I was kind of like in the car, and I was like, "Oh, this is the last song," and I wasn't really look. I wasn't. I was just listening. I wasn't paying attention. And it's just kind of like, and it's
2: over. And I was like, "Oh, all right, and it's gone." And that was ancient Greek, ancient
1: Greek music.
2: Yeah, you don't have the modern fade outs or you know, the long chord at the very end or any of that. I just, mm-hmm. it's
1: hard for me to imagine. And, like, can you imagine, like, living in ancient Greece and, like, but then, like, there's, like, street performers, like, playing this? I have tried. You know? <laughs> I, have, I have tried. I can't like, I've, I've been, like, thinking, because, like, the closest that I've gotten to that is, like, um, you go to Disney World and then they have, like, the Star Wars land. And then, like, there's kind of, like, that, like, bizarre area. Mm-hmm. This reminds me <laughs> of that. It's, like, I'm just shopping in the bazaar. This is it's very cinematic, and again, that might just be like a western interpretation of the song, you know, because yeah. the drums are tuned to the tonic, and there's just stuff happening where like this could just totally fit in like a movie soundtrack. The way that it's I have performed. tried to
2: imagine what it's like to live in ancient Greece, but as soon as I realize I won't have my smartphone, I kind of stop, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> but. But I'm glad that we have kind of the modern cosmopolitan sort of music scene in places like um, Denton Square, if you've ever been there, where that courthouse is in the middle of downtown. And all around the square, there are, you know, they allow street performers, they allow people to like just walk up, take their guitar out of their case and start playing. And so you get these really talented people who show up on you know, the street corner and do pretty well. And, and you'll have, you know, 20, 30 people just watch them play. And I think, I think that, that if that's what you're getting at by what it's like to live in ancient Greece, like that sort of way to ask the question, then I think we have it. It's just, I wish we had it more, (laughs) you know,
0: Mm, that's good. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way to uh, to wrap this all up. So we're going to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to give our final thoughts. And uh, then for those of you that are patrons on the $5 tier, we'll be doing our after-hours segment. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ethan Scott. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just wrapped up our segment with our six Spotify playlist songs. Um, we had him to Nemesis, Payan, Delphic Hymn to Apollo, Fragment of Stessimen of Orestes to Athena and uh, oh man, this is embarrassing. Uh, Pian and Presidian.
0: I think it's <laughs> <this> pronounced, hopefully.
1: <laughs> we were just talking about our thoughts. about But now we are ready for final thoughts. Uh, Grant, what are your final thoughts? How has, uh, has has this Greek episode
2: affected your thoughts on modern music? Well, Lucas mentioned in the episode that, you know, ancient music wouldn't change but about once every thousand years. And for this change, since our ancient music episode, we've had a lot of changes. You know, we now understand how to structure music. We understand how to transmit music between, you know, different instruments and our voice. And there's a more communal aspect to it. Um, And then also the fact that now we're using music in different areas of life, like we do now, obviously. Um, And so although i am sad that we've lost a lot of it and i i am very sad that the culture of you know greek music was wasn't focused enough on trying to perfect each song and more about creating it i think there's a balance between the creation and the actual preserving of the creation um think that i i really enjoyed the music of this episode because because of the fact that we've had such big steps and so i don't i don't really know where i'm going with what i'm saying right now i'm kind of just trying to fill up time but, <laughs> but wow. uh, i'm just being honest we gotta but, save it for the but, after hours <laughs> but, but no it was a good episode big steps in music big deal i was happy with what i learned That's I, all
1: I, I would i would say for me uh at the beginning of the episode i was i was i think shocked at you know in comparison between all of the other um arts and culture that was happening how music i was i was a little bit disappointed how how greek music it didn't seem to keep up or endure as long. And as we were listening uh, and talking through um, those six songs again, I think I've actually come to a different conclusion. I think that Greek music took a way more significant, like I think it furthered music a lot more than I was giving it credit for at the beginning because it, it like, literally taking it from something that was only for religious purposes and then putting it to like in you know, and again we only have like 20 or 30 surviving songs i assume that there were songs about having fun and there were songs for parties and there were songs for the plays and there were songs for everything it's just art and sculptures were like you paint on a canvas and that automatically preserves it. You sculpt out of rock that automatically preserves it. There was just no way there was, there was no formulaic way to preserve music at all. And they attempted to, which means that they understood the value. It's just, they, they, they tried their hand. They were the first ones to attempt to preserve music. And um not just that, I guess so that's the first thing I appreciate the Greeks for is they did for I I I should have given them more credit at the beginning for furthering music and and to push music into the the culture instead of it just being with the religion um and I think the second thing is whenever I was listening to this because like I enjoyed the music not because like, I mean, nobody's going to listen to this and just be like, you yeah, know, I mean, that was so catchy. I'm just going to go like that. That melody stuck in my head, you know? Well, okay. I, I mean, you started uh, before yeah. you started recording. You're like, da, da, da. but it reminds me of like the Godfather <laughs> theme. <laughs> Where's the copyright infringement? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think one thing that's good to, it's good to listen to different genres but also different time periods of music because as you're as I was listening through these it, it like made me aware of my own like Western cultured ear. Cause I was like that's weird. And then I was like hey, I guess it it's technically not weird. It's just I think it's weird because I'm so used to listening to pop and and like modern, you know, I guess modern in terms of like all of history. Like music past the nineteen twenties. You know, and you realize how much your culture affects your ear. And so, I would say to anyone that's like listening to this that hasn't listened to the Spotify, it's good to go through the six songs and listen to them just to be aware of how much modern influence has affected your taste, and to kind of try as much as you can to like push that aside and like analyze the music for what it is.
0: I could not have said that better myself that's that's kind of that whole motif is the exact reason why I wanted to do this series um, you don't really realize how much unconscious bias and um, and just familiarity you put into all the music and you listen to all the things that you take for granted like chord progressions like we just yeah. think that's something that has been around since the beginning of time and we know now that it hasn't been um but that I I I love hearing that cuz that's exactly why I go through this as well um I really like having two guys on here that are so adept in talking music theory because um I am not a music theory guy. I go, I based off of fact of just context and surrounding as well as just the emotion of the song without knowing exactly why that emotion is being, I'm, I'm not like ignorant. I can tell, you know, if there's a key change, but um, hearing what all you guys were saying about dissecting the songs really, is now informing me more of what I'm listening to. And I'm actually going to go back and now kind of having you guys break down everything that's, I'm going to go listen to them again with a bit of a new perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I think that this is one of the most radical, I'm just going to prophesy a little bit and predict that this is going to be one of the segments in music history where I feel like my, Idea of what the music was has been completely reversed. Yeah. Because in the times that I've skimmed through music history, I didn't see the Greek period as being particularly um, eventful. Even when I planned to do an episode on Greek music, I didn't expect to find as much as I did. Yeah. And to And for the music to be as culturally impactful and as progressive for the time that it was, I figured it was still going to be in the same vein of ancient music, just maybe a little prettier sounding. (laughs) (laughs) I was sorely mistaken. Yeah. And that was, I'm very happy to be mistaken. Um, It's making me very excited to talk about Roman music next month. Because how how far ahead are the Romans from the Greeks? So, this is going to be about five, six hundred years. Wow. Maybe five, six, seven hundred years. So, we're going to be kind of probably looking in the in like AD, you know, 150 to 200. That's my guess. I haven't, I've just now started the preliminary research for it. So, I'm not quite sure what music I'm probably going to pick from, but uh, that's, I mean, I have a feeling it's going to be post year zero music. Yeah. And then after that, I know what comes after that, which is going to be the, when music takes a massive step backwards as far as complexity and, and innovation and so, knowing now how far music came in Greek culture, um, it kind of almost makes me sad to think that we have this such a long period afterwards where music takes such a step backwards and stays so stagnant for a long time, almost a thousand years.
1: Man, the Dark Ages hit everything.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Hit everything really hard.
0: It's it's making me appreciate that more knowing what comes next. Yeah. So, um, I really, really enjoyed doing this episode and, um, I felt like, you know, there was a lot of fun discussion and content. So hopefully you listeners enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much for, um, listening to us yet again. Um, from what I could tell with the numbers, you guys enjoyed the Ancient Music episode. It did as well as a normal episode with us does, which I'm really happy about. So um, we're going to keep doing this. As, even even if the the views or the listens go down, this is something that I think now we, we see the significance of it and the importance of it. So if, if it's a bit more of a niche audience in our listening base that plugs into it I'm fine with that so I think we'll just continue to move forward through history so like I said the next time we do this series it's going to be on ancient Rome Roman music I've literally today just started my preliminary work on on it so I'm excited to see where it takes us um, be sure to subscribe, uh, if you liked this episode, if you haven't already and let us know what artists you would like us to, uh, to cover in the future next week, we're going to be doing our next volume two and, uh, we're going back to my all time favorite artist, which is Queen, yep. but we're going to be doing things a little bit different, we're not gonna just be looking at a time period or or some albums we're gonna be uh looking at them as a live group, so I've got a bunch of live songs pulled, so it's gonna be i think a really cool discussion fun. For a fun episode to talk about
2: It's a yeah. good set it's a good set of songs too
0: yeah you hear you heard it here first, so she. Because we put episodes early on Patreon, we're actually going to have the songs available early for you guys. So if you want to listen to the songs before the episode, you're free to do that. That's the way that we do it, obviously. Um, But if you prefer to hear the songs after we talk about them, whatever is most enjoyable for you, but that's going to be kind of something you can do now a week or two ahead. You can see the songs of the episodes we've got coming up down the line so um, so you can check those out and maybe do kind of some advanced listening and uh, go check us out on social media Instagram, Facebook make sure to uh, check out the link in the description that takes you to the Spotify playlist mm-hmm. to, uh, listen to all these songs as well as all songs from previous episodes and uh, if you want to become a patron you want to get some exclusive content as well as some episodes early, then there's a link in the description of the episode for that as well. And for those of you that are patrons, we'll see you in the after hours. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. I'm Ethan. Keep on listening to good music.